What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. Hey, everyone. Today on the show, we are joined by Vladlena Mitskanyuk, Director of Digital Marketing at Sneak. Born in Moldova, raised in Ottawa, she's a communications grad who spent a decade-plus career carving a craft in digital marketing and marketing analytics. She got her start at a real estate agency, where she learned content marketing before working at MD Financial, where she became digital marketing manager and started getting really deep into tracking, analytics, marketing ops, and advertising. Vladlena then transitioned to the tech industry, where she led global marketing analytics and digital marketing team at Trend Micro. She's now a year into her role as Director of Digital Marketing at Sneak, a security company for cloud-native apps on a mission to make the world a safer place with more secure software. Vladlena, thanks so much for uh, chatting with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I think that your background is super fascinating. Um, like one thing that stood out to me when I was like looking at your your LinkedIn is all the different roles and companies that you've had. So like you've had to learn from different users and audiences. So like uh, being in the consumer industry and talking to like real estate folks and talking to physicians in, in the finance industry. And now you're kind of in that native apps industry and talking to developers. So talk to us about your, like your process for learning about your audience when you're starting a new role with a new company. Absolutely. It, it is really cool that as marketers, we do have that opportunity to engage with a variety of different audiences in our careers. You know, it could be different personas uh, in the same industry, different verticals, B2B, B2C, even B2B2C. So <laughs> lots of opportunities. But at the end of the day, your audience are people, they're humans. So you really just need to take the un- time to understand what are their pain points and how does your business address them? Um, in some situations, I was actually uh, lucky in that I was part of the target audience that I was marketing to. Uh, you know, I was a renter while marketing to people renting. Mm-hmm. But while that can really help guide your copywriting, your, your creative planning, you also have to be careful to challenge your biases. You aren't a placeholder for your audience, even if you're part of that audience. Mm-hmm. You really have to think of who are the other personas and cohorts there because otherwise you can really skew too far into just marketing to yourself. Sorry to jump in. I'm just curious, like how, like what recommendations do you have for folks who are making those switches? Like that is a big switch uh, going from an audience that you really recognize with to, to one that you may not recognize with. And this is something that you have a lot of experience with. So I'm curious what you can share with our audience. So one thing you have to be mindful of is most of these industries research and looking into the audience isn't new. You're rarely going to be looking into a brand new arena. So really do dive into the materials that are available to you. Most organizations have, even even startups have had time to do uh, qualitative studies, um, really looking at those personas. So first start with the information your organization already has to offer. Dig through your database, look at your online behavior, look at those personas and those titles that are successful and those who aren't. You know, that first party data is extremely valuable and becoming even more valuable as, you know, privacy changes in our industry. And if you're in a situation where for some reason that isn't available to you internally, there are usually external resources from industry analysts to uh, different boards related to those uh, those personas. Um, At MD Financial, I had 
a, a really cool opportunity to lean on the Canadian Medical Association and their understanding of physician. And again, if for some reason you still don't feel like you have access to that data, that is a really cool opportunity to go and do that research yourself, conduct those focus groups, survey those personas. A lot of the time, influencers in those industries want to help because if your product is good, they also want to see it support the others that they work with. That's super cool. Like this is like a challenge that most marketers have, not just like in the tech industry, but definitely like more common in the tech industry where like you're a marketer, but you're selling a very technical product to like a developer type of uh, community that you're selling this to. Right. And I think one of the challenges that as a marketer we have is like balancing learning more about like your, your specific industry, your, your audience, but also like you still need to learn about analytics and like tracking. And, and so like, how do you balance those two, like working for like trend micro and now sneak, like selling to very technical audiences. How do you balance like becoming a subject matter expert in your industry and the content that you're selling, but also like um, being mindful of like the, the craft that you're building around your, your specialty too. It's surprising how many very niche marketers there are out there that you actually can collaborate with. There are everything from user groups of people who are marketing in that vertical, you know, people who are marketing cybersecurity. There's even agencies out there that specialize in marketing towards mm -hmm. verticals. So again, engaging with the community is your number one resource. Um, especially marketers, you know, we love to research and we love to talk. So it's really easy to reach out to a marketer and say, hey, are you open to chatting about this? This is a new area for me. Um, there's a lot of talk recently too about how competitors are not our enemies. Mm -hmm. So do rely on that competitive research as well because that gives you a good alignment of what digital marketing or what marketing tactics are they using for that audience? And it allows you to learn both arenas at the same time. Yeah, I love, I actually think that's a, that's the super cool insight you just pulled out there. Like the idea that all the competitors were all advancing the same space. So like kind of a rising tide floats all, all boats in your experience, like looking at what competitors are doing, how do you like evaluate their success? Cause that's the one part that's hard, right? You look and you think these guys are killing it. And then two years later, they realize that they're dead in the water and you shouldn't have followed their strategy. So what do you do in terms of, you know, competitive analysis and then integrating what they're doing into your strategy? I think there's kind of two approaches you have to take. One is really just using their approaches as ideation and not necessarily the exact approach you should take. And two is always rely on your data. Like you mentioned, just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean it's successful. Um, if you just take a look at the industry and how new attribution is in certain verticals, mm -hmm. it's very possible that the tactics they're doing, they actually haven't been able to tie to success in the past. So it's really on you to take that time to evaluate your programs and not make those assumptions. Love it. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Like just because your competitors are doing it and a bunch of other companies are doing it doesn't mean that like a, you should carve out the resources to do it. Um, just cause like competitors are doing it. I love that. Love that advice. Um, that's definitely something that like, as someone who works more on the strategic side of things, you, you get to like wear that hat a bit more. Talk us through a bit, like, um, your experience kind of like, uh, working your way up into a director level at trend micro. And now last year you joined sneak, uh, joining the marketing team at a director level and like during the pandemic, right? Like you guys are a remote team right now. So for our listeners, like what, what does that process look like and what are kind of the first 90 days of your uh, director of marketing role? What's interesting is the first 90 days are often not that different than certain other roles because the key pillars are still there. You need to learn your product, 
you need to learn the people you're working with and you need to learn your personas. You need to take that time to, in technical industries, to really know what you're marketing. Um, of course, um, in some ways, I, again, have a bit of insider knowledge. I actually spent my master's degree studying the behavior of hackers and using technology and activism. So I was able to take those learnings into these roles. But that does that mean I understand understood the ins and outs of, you know, endpoint technologies and network systems on day one? Absolutely not. If you don't know your product, you're not going to be able to market it. Secondly, meet with everyone. If your organization doesn't have a good formal system for meeting with new people for new joiners, build it. Talk to everyone. There's no harm in reaching out to anyone from you know, a junior specialist to your CEO. Make sure you're talking to people because you're going to get insights from different departments that you'll never get just talking to your direct cohort of peers. Um, also, what's really interesting at the director level is trying to find that balance when you first join an organization of those immediate quick wins. You want to make an impact because you are bringing a lot of insight with you to an organization. But at the same time, making sure you do have those short-term and long-term strategies being built out, um, especially when it comes to growing your team as a director. From the very first day, you need to start looking at the pain points the organization has and building out that that team plan so that you are ready to, you know, from building out job descriptions to understanding those exact positions so that when you do and can get that headcount, you can hit the ground running and really bring a cohesive group of people together to make a successful marketing organization. I mean, there's so much there that's, that's just super, super smart for all of our listeners thinking about like their own career trajectory moving into the director level. Like everything you just laid out is is like super high IQ stuff for, for director level folks. So thanks for sharing that. I, I want to dive into a question around like, what is like, in your opinion, like if you could go back to your past self, like when you're at the manager level, what would you go back? You've been, you've been in director level for a couple of years now. Uh, you got some experience and wins underneath your belt, but you know, go in the past, what would you, what, what advice would you give moving from manager to director? I think the first thing is to don't, don't be scared to try to do bigger, better things. That's the only way you're going to be able to move forward. And I always tell new people in their careers, there is no harm if you hear about a meeting or a project to invite yourself into it, because sometimes no one else will do that for you. Mm-hmm. And if you really do want to have that career progression, you're the only one who's going to make that happen for you. You might be lucky enough to have a great mentor who will guide you, but you really have to push your career forward. And if it's as simple as saying, can I join that call? Can I sit in on that meeting? Can I shadow you? That is very valuable. Mm-hmm. And secondly, it's participation in the community. There's a lot when you get into these roles that you can't just learn in-house. Mm-hmm. So going to meetups, talking to people on LinkedIn, reaching out to influencers, joining Slack channels, that is a great way to get insights that you're not going to get internally. I love it. There's there's so much to unpack there. I love the, like in your previous answer, you you diving into like the the core foundation things that you should do in your first role, like understanding the product, the users, and, and getting to know folks on the team. Obviously, those are kind of like stakeholders, but like it's very easy to kind of like um, brush past some of those things or, or like not go deep enough and kind of just like start diving into projects. But I also love like what you mentioned, like looking for low hanging fruits, maybe like trying to get some couple quick wins. You are still like a new employee in the company and like folks are still kind of looking at you and seeing what you're doing when you're kind of starting off. So I love that balance 
balancing like the foundation stuff, like getting that and like core understanding of the product and, and, and the people on the team, but also like, how can we find some quick wins? Like in, in those uh, introductory calls that you've had with, with folks last year, like introducing yourself and getting to know like how the company works and stuff like that. What, what are some cool questions that like um, new marketers should be asking when they're introducing themselves to, to folks in the company? Like maybe um, like things like just asking what projects they're working on or like introducing your background. Like what, what do you do in, in those introductory discussions? I think it is important to do a little bit of, you know, traditional introduction. Who are you? Where you came from? Uh, but one of the things that is useful to ask people is what were their first days like? Because that's going to give you more insight than anything you can prepare for. Mm. Knowing, you know, where were their quick wins? Where did they see gaps? Because getting that vision of the history of the company, again, even in a startup, there's always some history. And one of the things that occurs a lot in organizations, especially organizations that have been around for decades, is uh, new hires will come in with, you know, big, great ideas. And there will be a lot of pushback. Up. Oh, but we talked about that two years ago, or that didn't work five years mm -hmm. ago. And I think it's important to try to get that context, but also make sure that you are communicating things in a way that there are opportunities to try things again and revisit, but having that context will make it easier to communicate the rationale. Mm -hmm. I love the, like the line, the idea of history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. And you see this all the time where you're, you come in, you have an idea and they're like, oh, we already did that. Be like, no, but you didn't do it with me. And they hired you for a specific skill set so that you always have an opportunity to try things, uh, even things that have been done before. I think I really like that, that advice for folks on, on talking to folks. I, I feel as though curiosity and empathy is a huge part of your own skill set. What do you think is like the most important skill set for anybody moving into marketing leadership to, to cultivate in themselves? That's a really good question. Um, I think being data-driven as a leader is really important because it aligns teams. It doesn't just, it's not just about hitting sales goals. It's not just about hitting marketing KPIs. It's about making sure you can have conversations that don't land on personal preferences, mm -hmm. but can align in really making sure you are working together. And one thing that I really enjoy about Sneak is that we do have this one team mentality. It's all about transparency and allowing people to be part of things and using data to bring people together. Actually, I think really helps in a leadership role because it allows people, again, it gives you that history. It gives you that context, but it also gives you the vision of the company moving forward. Very cool. Let, let's talk about like some, how you define some of these words at, at sneak, maybe like an internally, like how the team is kind of made up. Like we, we talk on the show a lot about like the, the difference between some of these buzzwords, like digital marketing versus analytics versus marketing ops to like a startup marketer. Like uh, there's tons of overlap in, in, in some of these words, like are, are these kind of interchangeable to you? And maybe talk about like some of the transferable skills that you see going from one to the other. I think you're right. There's a lot of overlap and the lines get more blurred every day. And when organizations realize that they do really well to decrease silos and focus on that team collaboration. When it's more important about the company coming together to get projects done rather than who does it and who owns what, you're going to move faster and you're going to be able to ship more. Um, there are some unique skills. And that's okay, you know, your, your marketing operations person may not know how to jump into Facebook and set up a, a lead generation form ad. You know, your, your digital analyst might not always have 
you know, their API skills or SQL query skills really honed. But the transfer often is in processes and looking at how those processes enable you to be successful. That's really where operations sends in. Operations is there to set you up to be successful. Analytics helps you optimize and get successful. So those really do overlap quite a bit. As far as I'm concerned, analytics and operations are part of every marketer's role now. And having some of the basic knowledge in those arenas allows you to work with those teams more successfully. So use your team's documentation, watch those training videos that they put together, understand how they create tasks and tickets in their boards because you can work with them better and then you can all work faster together. I feel as though the technical side of marketing, it's a thesis that I have, and I don't think it's totally true, but I, I, for me, I argue it a little bit, is that the, the, the future CMO is going to have more technical chops in their skill set than not, right? You won't, like I think particularly in the SaaS startup space, you, you, you mentioned it already, like the idea of data, you put data on the table and decisions get made quicker and better. Do you agree with that? Or is there another skill set you think that brings folks to the CMO uh, skill set? No, I think we are starting to see a transition in the industry where historically that role has been more from a traditional marketing perspective, you know, branding, um, you know, event marketing, really things that have been around for decades. Now that we have these cool tool sets on you know, the MarTech stack, we have data in a way that we weren't be able to parse it in the past. And we have all of these you know, programming language skills that are kind of coming into play. Being able to understand what your team is doing is becoming more and more valuable. And I think, you know, in the next dec decade, I wouldn't be surprised to see more CMOs that have that technical background because they'll be able to su support their teams better. Yeah, I totally agree. I definitely see like from looking at like the job postings just on LinkedIn, like over the last like six months or like four months as companies are opening back up again and, and starting to hire like the, the demand for these technical roles, like around marketing analytics, marketing ops is just crazy. Like the demand is much bigger than, than the supply. And, um, I know that like sneak is hiring a, a bunch of roles right now. I, I was on the, the, the greenhouse page today and counted 10 open recs, uh, just in the marketing department alone. So, uh, maybe talk about like some of the, the roles open uh, on your team. I know there was some, some exciting, uh, hirings that you're, you're adding under your team, right? Yes, we are bringing some new people on board. And it's, it's really interesting to watch. So I joined less than a year ago and we were sitting, if I'm not mistaken, around 300 people. We're now at over 700. So we are really the definition of hyper growth. And it really shows the organization's focus in that we are bringing more marketers on board to support our teams. So in my department, we're looking for two hires, one to really build out our paid media programmers, having a really a diverse publisher strategy that looks at everything from the different personas we touch to a global perspective of how we can align in different regions. And then concurrently, we're also bringing on a digital lifecycle manager. So this is a, a really new type of role that is kind of bringing out a hybrid of those technical skills and the strategic mindset of a marketer to be able to look at what are our user journeys. You know, you hit our website, then what? Mm -hmm. is kind of the, the position statement for the role. 
And it's a cool opportunity to work with some neat technology from our chat bots to our content recommendation algorithms to a content hub platform. So, you know, if you're in the market for, you know, taking your technical skills, taking some operational skills and blending them with a strategic approach, this could be a good fit for you. I think what? the the lifecycle manager role is one of the coolest ones in, in marketing these days. And, and they don't come up a lot, but a lot more than they used to. Um, in your mind, like you kind of touched on some of this stuff, but what's missing from, from the industry today in terms of, you know, people's skill sets to, to take on these roles? Because I think that uh, like it is a net new role. So what are people, what should people be thinking about when they apply? Like what skills should they bring to the table? I think it is a, that hybrid of strategy and tactics that is unique, but is growing in the industry. You know, we had a lot of people historically, you know, come out of university programs. You know, you're studying, like from my example, you know, communications theory, very traditional marketing strategy and psychology. But to use that, you need to have the technical skills to know how that translates to tools and the MarTech overall. So you know, if you don't have that strategic approach, it is something that's very valuable to kind of dive into, understand how other companies are looking at their marketing personas, how they're looking at their funnel, what pieces of content they're using when and why. But the technical skill set is something that's really cool. I think there's a unique opportunity now that you can get that technical skill set on your own, in your own time with very little financial investment from industry certifications. And like I mentioned earlier, Slack channels, tutorials, uh, ask me anything programs. There's a lot of opportunities to get those skills if you have that interest. Yeah. And that blend of like strategy and technical skills, when you throw yourself, like a, you throw a lifecycle manager into a system like Marketo, like the stuff that you can do is so cool. And it really does blend these careers, uh, these career kind of skills together. So I think it's a super cool role. Do you find like in terms of hiring, um, are you finding the demand out there? Are you seeing the demand for these types of roles? Like, is it hard to find people for these types of roles? Are you finding that there's a, a good, a good selection of candidates out there today? There's a lot of people in market. Uh, unfortunately, the, the situation over the last year did affect some folks in terms of uh, their, their careers, but there's a lot of people hiring. So it's really neat that people do kind of have a selection of opportunities to find the right fit for them. Um, you know, organizations like Sneak, we, we try to make a point to, to share our culture because that's one of the really cool things that really does bring people in. Our, our collaboration, our one team mentality is, is a bit of a unique offering. But the skill sets are there and there's so many people in the market and it's just growing. I think you're seeing more and more marketers who may have not have necessarily had these technical skills a year ago, who've taken the time over the last year to learn them, to jump into, you know, learning anything from, uh, you know, using the free version of HubSpot to try their own automation or MailChimp or, you know, jumping into the public version of Tableau and creating their own resumes using these graphical interfaces. There's yeah. a lot of opportunities out there. Yeah, totally agree. I like how you you kind of uh, walked us through the the life cycle role there. I uh, definitely close close to my heart, and I know that like different companies kind of define life cycle a bit differently. Like I think more traditionally, like life cycle was given to like the customer marketing department, kind of split up across like the the AR metrics and like the customer marketing life cycle team sits at the bottom. They're on like retention, getting that full lifetime value of customers. But I love how 
you're seeing it more as like a holistic, a holistic role, like looking at user journeys kind of end to end across the funnel and looking at like conversion rate optimization. Like I love that, that part of the role itself. Um, I think like something similar to, to that role and like something that I look at your background is like super important for any role in digital marketing is continually learning like how fast the industry is changing and all the, the tactics and strategies and uh, like a quick look at your Goodreads profile will show um, your love for nonfiction book uh, as uh, checking out the signal and the noise and why so many predictions fail also but some don't and some standard deviations uh, flawed assumptions blah blah a bunch of statistic books um i love I, I love your background and your history there and you recently also posted on linkedin uh, being one of the first linkedin ads certified um maybe talk about the value of certifications as well but just like general continuous learning how are you kind of handling um, that in your career yes certifications are in a really interesting place in the role because they do vary a lot. Yeah. There's technical certifications out there. These are usually paid certifications with products that are, you know, often enterprise level products with everything from, you know, proctored exams, somebody sitting there watching it and making, making sure that you are doing the exam justice. These are really great learning tools. They bring you in the ins and outs of the product, and they are very representative of a skill set. Now, usually you're not going to take a certification like this unless you've used the product for a year or more. You know, the Marketo and the Tableau certifications are kind of good examples of those areas. There are some really neat, easier to access certifications that are great for beginners. They do not replace real world experience, but they show the willingness to learn and the interest in learning. So everything from, you know, your Google certifications are great, valuable uh, assets from, you know, learning Google Analytics to the ads platforms. Your, as you mentioned, the LinkedIn certification, most social networks offer something on that advertising side. But it is important to be aware that, again, they're not replacements for experience as much as they show your passion. And that can be really important to an employer as well as to understand how much of an interest you have in this role and passion does play a big part in success in some of these companies. I also think like that self-taught directed route, it's such a popular route for so many different industries, like developers, like there's, there's all kinds of stories of developers getting hired, you know, no, no formal experience, but they did it all on their own, you know, and I think there's something impressive to be said about somebody who goes out and figures it out all on their own. And, and when we talk about operations, we had a guest on and we talked about the idea that like, how many, how many of the questions you get and fires do you get on a daily basis? Do you know the immediate answer to and it's probably a very low percentage for most for most people but like in your opinion like how how many of the, the big ops fires do people face and actually understand uh, uh know immediately boom this is the solution i'd say most of the time when it's an actual big big ops fire you don't know the cause or the root issue immediately and that's where traditional problem solving skills are really valuable. Um, one of my favorite terms I use a lot would be data mysteries. <laughs> the, the frequency at which that somebody finds this tool number doesn't match that tool number. This, this campaign should show this, but it's showing that. And having an interest in you know, tinkering really helps with that. If you like to look at the back end of a tool, if you like to play around with you know, where's the data flowing and why, that's going to be a huge asset on the operations side. I love it. I took note of that data mystery. I'm going to throw that in the title of the title. Probably I like, uh, I like that angle there, but 
Ladlana, we're we're close on time. Um, you're you're doing a ton of stuff in in the industry, like speaking to very technical uh, audience. You're building out a team uh, in a remote world right now. Um, crazy things going on. We like to ask uh, all of our guests uh, at the end of the interview what tips they have for maintaining a healthy and balanced life with everything that they have going on, uh, personal and uh, kind of at work. So, what tips do you have to share for our listeners? For me personally, it's been acknowledging and accepting that things come in waves. And when the calm is there, those brief moments, really embrace it. Don't always try to push yourself and power through every moment because you don't want to acknowledge you're on the brink of burnout at that moment. Mm. (laughs) So book your vacation days ahead of time. Do leverage that time and really try to check out. It's very hard for most people with the accessibility of technology today. But if you don't do that now, it's going to come back later. And also during your regular days, especially with our new flexible work schedules, more and more people having the ability to work remotely, do not be afraid to book time for your lunch, book time for your workout, book time in the morning to do a check-in with yourself about you know, what you want to focus on for the rest of the week, because nobody else is going to save that time for you. Shit, this is awesome. Uh, awesome advice. But then I, I obviously not surprised by the, the value that you, you kind of gave our listeners here. But I think that there's tons of insights that I'm going to go back myself to, to, to my role in, in my job. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, chatting with us today. We're, we're going to link to your LinkedIn and, and Twitter and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll add a link as well to, to sneak and all the jobs that you're, you're posting right now. Anything else you want to leave our listeners with? Anything you want to plug? I think the biggest thing is don't be afraid to push yourself in this industry. There are so many opportunities and only you can get yourself there. Awesome. Great, great advice. Thank you so much for the Thank you again. <laughs>